five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston. Today I'm joined by my uh, faithful sidekick, Jordan Link McDonald. I'm not faithful. I have no idea what we're doing. Sam has put me in blind in this podcast episode. You guys are going to know before I do, like in <laughs> chronological order, yeah. uh, what is going on in the title. I'm going to have no clue what we're doing. Well, it's a, you know, so this week, um, of course, there was the, the United States election uh, and uh, I'm uh, a political lad. Uh, so I've been uh, focusing on that. I haven't really had much time for much film watching. I also had a lot of uni work in, so didn't really have time for the films this week. So I tried to pull out an idea out of my ass that would, um, wouldn't require us to do too much prep. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm going to explain what it is in a second. But before I do that... I am going to uh, introduce um, the first and very much hopefully last Scouser to ever touch the uh, the Now Showing podcast. Uh, introducing Mr. Brandon. Uh, hello, it's an honour to be here. Long, long time fan of the show. Yeah, this is um, you know, this is the first uh, real, real. F- Actually, no, I think both are fans. Actually, I think it's the second fan that we've uh, we've got on the podcast. Obviously, uh, a faithful member of the uh, the Now Showing uh, fan club, and. Um, you haven't got anything to promote, have you, Brandon? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> a Twitter account, perhaps? Um, no, because it causes me great shame, really. So maybe it's best if I don't say anything about it. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pop it up at the end of the podcast. Right, of cheers. course, once again, reminding uh, everyone that we are now members of the Music City Driving Network. Uh, you can check out musiccitydriving.com for a variety of different. Um, podcasts and sports articles um, and hopefully we're going to be collaborating with a few of those podcasts in the coming weeks if you're a fan of the podcast uh, of course give us a five star rating on iTunes that's how we get up in the ratings and you follow us on Twitter at Now Showing Film without further ado do you know what we're doing today Jail? we're doing a bit of a Q&A kind of thing right okay. that's uh, it's a it's a pretty simple concept I, I hadn't told you because I was kind of trying to keep you on your heels you know make you, make you work for it a little but um yeah, we're going to be doing a, a kind of Q&A kind of thing. I've got a, a few questions here. They're quite, you know, um, quite open questions. You know, like, hopefully they'll, they'll maybe not necessarily go for all of them. Maybe we'll just kind of uh, spend a long time on, on discussing one or whatever. Um, but before we get into it, I, I guess this is a question more specifically t- towards Brandon. Obviously, we know the answer for you, JL. But um, would you yourself, uh, consider yourself a, a big film fan, Brandon? Do you, do you try and uh, get as much content in or are you a bit more of a kind of casual how do you find yourself in the world of films uh no i've always, I've always been quite interested in film my uh i'm studying at, at university oh yeah i didn't even know that yeah, oh, yeah, uh, you've got some course. credentials yeah um i haven't seen as many sort of maybe classics as i'd have liked to by now but yeah i'm, I'm i think i can hold my own probably or hopefully well um yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we can all be united on the podcast in, in saying that we haven't seen a lot of big classics. I think that was one of the uh, the main things that uh, this podcast was kind of started on this idea that we haven't seen a lot of classics. So I think uh, you know that you're not you're not alone in that. And I, and I don't think uh, well, neither of us have seen The Godfather, for example, which is sort of the example I use. Um, but yeah, I guess um, we'll start off, JL. But just just um, not going to go into detail because you know we get onto this kind of this is a bit more bonusy Q and A format. I just wondered if there was briefly any film you've watched in the last kind of week that you would like to to tell anyone about. Uh, in the last, well, since we last recorded, I've only seen a few films, and then 
went back into lockdown, so I've not been able to go to the cinema. Um, what did I what have I watched since we last recorded? I saw oh one that you might actually quite like. Um, I watched a documentary, um, football documentary called The Three Kings. Oh yes, of course. And uh, so it's kind of this portrait of um, Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, and Jock Stein, and kind of their uh, sort of mutual background coming from from Scotland and their sort of rise to to fame in the footballing world and how they got into sort of management and so on. It was really quite interesting. Um, maybe I don't know as much. Considering I was, I was, I'm not as not as into football as I used to be. But uh, even when I was quite into football, um, it was maybe I didn't know too much about some of, maybe some of the more historical figures, especially other clubs. Um, it was quite interesting to see sort of their friendship and how it grew, but also at the same time this sort of contrasting rivalry between them, and uh, it was quite interesting. It was uh, directed by Johnny Owen. Um, but one of the producers um, was the, also the producer of the Maradona documentary, which you discussed in a, in a previous episode. Yeah, um, yeah, very, very good. So yeah, I can I can see the the quality coming through on that, in that regard. Um, very much a, a strong documentary. Uh, not maybe maybe not as I don't know. You described the Maradona one as being maybe being a bit more cinematic. Uh, I felt this one was sort of maybe a bit more or less so. It kind of just um, it it kind of lent a lot more in sort of traditional documentary format and, and at times where it did try and be a bit more cinematic it kind of didn't really work as well uh, it kind of felt, because they kind of jumped between the three different managers and, and it kind of felt a bit uh, unguided at certain parts it was, it kind of didn't really flow as well as, as maybe it could have done um, mm. I know it was interesting anyway to see to see uh, as I mentioned, their friendship and, and rivalry and so on at their respective clubs. So it was, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. And then one other film I'll talk about <laughs> just just really quickly. I saw Horizon Line. Uh, it was a limitless premiere. I was not expecting much based on the synopsis. Uh, but it had Alison Williams, who was fantastic in Gao, which is what I we've talked about, one of my favourite films. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of thinking, oh, maybe it might be one of those things where it's got some decent performances, but the script and, and the concept is, is sort of holding it back. It it was just awful. It it was it was really bad. It was like this disaster movie, kind of uh, two people on a plane, and it like it's about to like run out of fuel, and, and the pilot has a heart attack, and like they have to like. It wasn't good. It was not good. Um, and it's kind of That's... sad that it was one of the last films I saw in the cinema. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I was gonna say it's the last one. Yeah, I, my last uh, film I saw in the cinema was Kajina. Which uh, obviously was very, very much uh, gave a lot of praise to. The last film I saw before the first lockdown was uh, was The Invisible Man, so I had a pretty good run of those two. Um, whereas, you know, Horizon Line, yeah, I did see the trailer for it. It, it didn't look very good, um, and I'm not really surprised to hear that it was shit. Um, Brandon, is there anything that you've been watching in the last few weeks that you thought was uh, worth worth mention? Uh, well, in the last few weeks, I don't mm, nothing like. Really notable. I've just been watching a few things that my flatmates wanted to put on. Really, yeah. Um, most recently, both <laughs> of the Camp Rock films, uh, Disney Channel originals, <laughs> which, masterpieces. Yeah, yeah. The first one is genuinely terrible, but the second one was marginally more tor- tolerable, uh, which wow. wasn't too bad. I would have assumed it was the other way around. No, 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 no. The second one actually got better. The, you could tell the budget jump was massive. Um, What's the name of the bird in the in the camera Dem- films? Uh, Demi Lovato. That's it. Yes, Demi Lovato. That's it. That's right. That's right. 
Well, maybe um, all around, around the board, it's uh, <laughs> two Camp Rock films, a disaster film, um, and obviously, of course, the, the documentary, which uh, a little bit more interested in. On my side, um, I haven't really watched much at all. I rewatched American Psycho for the third time. Um, but I actually, I, I've made a, a, be- a beginning, a start. I've talked about it on the podcast a fair few times how much of a fan of Doctor Who I am. And um, I've never got around to, since about fucking... 2014 or something I've never been like fully caught up like I've like watched a bit here and there and then like always been trailing behind but now I'm on the way of finishing I mean in halfway through Whitaker's last most recent series so I'm kind of close to finishing and actually being caught up with Doctor Who which will be you know pretty decent for me because uh, you know I'm a quite a big fan of Doctor Who and it's uh, pretty mid to be honest uh, she's quite good but the writing isn't and uh, I think that's a fairly common opinion I think that's, that's, that's just Doctor Who for the past 10 years though isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah ever since fucking Big Davey left mate well, actually, no, that's just like, because I quite quite like some of the Series 6 writing, but I don't like Matt Smith. Anyway, let's move on to the Q&A section. I've, I've written a few questions. I've also got uh, three from people that uh, I messaged, one of which is Brandon, before uh, I asked him to go on the podcast, so he obviously knows his question. Uh, but I'm going to start off with um, a topical question. It's probably not the most uh, sophisticated question there. But I'll say, I'll, 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 I'll pose it to you first, JL. We are coming off the back, uh, and we're still do, uh, dealing with uh, one of the most important elections in uh, modern times, uh, the United States election between uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Right now, it looks like Joe Biden's probably going to win. Um, but regardless of, of real-world politics, obviously, um, I think there's, from both sides, there has been this concept of uh, if, if Biden wins, then we're losing true America and we're turning to this. And then the other side, if, if Trump wins, we're losing America and we're turning to this and, and so on and so forth. And it kind of made me consider this idea of what is this idealistic Americanism. So my first question to you, JL, is um, if kind of a, an alien came down uh, and wanted you to uh, sum up... Um, America within uh, the context of a film um, what would you go for I don't want any kind of you know like American Pie or like some sort of cheesy comedy <laughs> I mean um, from a cinema like a real cinematic point of view uh, if you could to summarize especially from a from a British point of view what you think America has in a in a in a, in a film could you could you pose an answer to that oh that's a, that is a very tough question to answer spontaneously uh, that's that's going to be a theme, I think, coming through, that, that I've had, like, an hour to look at these questions and think of answers, and you've had 13 seconds to on the spot. If I had to but... pick one film to represent America, Jesus Christ. Um, oof. I would probably go with... That's a hard question. If you've got any answer, Brandon, uh, I'm, I'm, are we yeah. are we talking? Uh, I, I don't know. I, that is that is quite a difficult question for for on the spot. I'm thinking like there's a different route you could go with though. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, uh, percent. Depends what sort of America you want to show, and it also depends. Like, are we talking? What your idealist, it's what you think of America as. You know, it's this kind of. So I guess semi-idealistic, but if you think of America in a negative light, maybe not so much. This kind of um, postcard of, of of what you, you know, John Luke McDonald or what you, Brandon, think of, of America, what you think would best represent um, your feelings towards the nation or your, your your thoughts on the nation. I'm really quickly scrolling through um, 
really quick just going through letterbox films that I've watched just to see if any of them really grab my attention. If you want to think while I give my answer, I can I can do a search because I, I think I've got one that I think uh, works to to a degree. And when I think of America, um, I think, of course, of the um, the cliche of um, opportunity. Uh, and the cliche of um, kind of the, the idea that anyone can make it, and kind of almost this um, almost capitalistic uh, feeling of, of you can make it on your own kind of thing. And there's also something that's always kind of tilting in the balance that you know you've always got to push yourself, you've always got to do it, and, and if you fall off, you know you you can have these um, you can have a, a drastic fall. You know there's, there's not handouts as much in in American society. Of course, you can compare make direct comparisons to the healthcare system, and such. And I think that idea of just struggling through and just trying to do enough and always trying to make sure that you don't fall off is um, I'm going to sum up in, in the 2019 film Uncut Gems. Um, I think that that is uh, synonymous with the image of America. It's obviously. Um, set in, in New York, which is, is the place that I think is almost the antithesis of, of that kind of, um, kind of, you know, as I said, opportunistic, um, uh, you know, idealism of America, you know, it's like these big massive skyscrapers and anyone can make it and, it's, and all that stuff. I think it's, it's set in that and it comes with a, a fairly diverse cast. It obviously features a lot of American sports and, and culture. Um, I'd say that, um, yeah, I think the kind of, tightrope that that the main character walks in, in Uncut of Gems is almost um, you know representative or allegorical of the um, the path that kind of you have to walk for any success, uh, especially that side of the pond. Okay, I'm glad that's that's a very interesting pick. Maybe one I wouldn't have necessarily thought you would go with, but I'm glad that you did because uh, I mean, just I'm going through from most recent films to to all the films. One that immediately jumped out to me based on the first sort of couple of pages of my letterbox in terms of like release dates is Knives Out. Because mm. I'm thinking like that? you've got like the the extremely wealthy uh, American family and this sort of idealized, almost exaggerated, uh, you know, dependence on on money and and financial uh, well being and, and assets and so on. But also very obviously, Ryan, John, uh, Ryan Johnson very you know you know maybe some parts not as not as uh, as hidden you could say, but a, a very interesting take on uh, the, the the roles and, and issues surrounding uh, immigration and uh, and capitalism and wealth and family and I don't know that's just one that I was just when I was looking through stuck oh, yeah. out to me the the mm-hmm. fact that people will do anything to to get money and, and when it's potentially taken away from them uh will will really, really quickly turn and obviously it's a very political undertone in there as well with the 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 liberal and the the right-wing children as well and sort of the issue of of the youth of, of america um it's very very much like a, a sort of a microcosm of of contemporary america in that film yeah, I think um, as well. There's that thing that, despite the fact that the, these two children are, are like very much on the other sides of, of, of politics, uh, it, at the end of the day, they end up almost uniting in the same goal. And, and when their true colours come out, they're the same. I think that that maybe could be uh, could be compared to, to to certain political systems within America. Um, and I would say that's maybe a slightly more negative view uh, than mine. But um, I'm not here to question your particular thoughts on, on any matter. Um, 
but if that's just one that came that, that, that stood out to you um, I'll, I'll move the the question over to, to Brandon and if you've got an answer I'd be interested to hear yeah uh, after a little bit of time I think I think I've come with an answer um, that I'm satisfied with can I just say when, whenever you were giving your answer and you said you started to say the 2019 film I was really worried that you were gonna say Joker <laughs> um, I was. I, I really thought those words were about to leave your mouth, and I. I, I mean, it wouldn't have worked too bad, too fast. Yeah, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have been that bad, but I, I don't know if aliens would appreciate that being the first thing they see uh, whenever they land. Um, but well, uh, your talk also about like uh, the American dream and things and and New York uh, all made quite a lot of sense to me. So when I was considering my answer, I thought of that, but I've gone for a slightly different flavour, let's say, to One Cut Gems, and landed on um, 2016's La La Land. Um, that was one of my choice, that was one of my thoughts yeah. as well, yeah. When, when I think of um, ultimate sort of Americanisms in a film, uh, it's obviously a, a massive ode to classic American cinema. Um, and I just think it, it, it sums all that up quite well with this not necessarily as romanticized version of life in LA has been in films, you know, since films basically started in Hollywood. But um, I, I think it uh, is, is a, a relatively reasonable pick for this. I think uh, with that vein of thought, which I, I do think is a, maybe even a slightly more realistic one than mine, um, I think that kind of thing you could very much use uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as that kind of example of something where it's this like, kind of idealised, kind of perfect um, you know, snapshot of, of, of that kind of era of, of uh, American you know, life and, and, and especially from an outside point of view, um, how we consume the 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 media image of America I think La La Land is a is a very good example I think that, that maybe in that vein of thought I, I might be considered to go for once put uh, once put time in Hollywood myself but yeah it's a certainly interesting question I think this is uh, probably going to be one of the, the less funny podcasts based on the uh, beginning it's all been fairly um, pseudo pseudo intellectual from us but I'll um, unless you have any extra thoughts JL uh, I'll move on to a slightly probably more more, more uh, bouncy answer a little bit more um, free to but you probably have a, a quicker answer this one so I'll go to I'll go to jail first because because I, I stood in for you last time and this is uh, I'm gonna what is the worst film that you love the worst film that I love oh yeah as I, hmm. see I when I thought I, I this is one of my questions and I didn't think of this when I, when I wrote this out. I didn't think the room, right? Like the room isn't good, but I didn't think like that because I love it because it's bad. It's not that I think certain other films are good. It's just that I, despite the fact they aren't, I very much love them anyway. Um, this isn't really like what yeah. you think is underrated because I can appreciate that some films aren't very good, but I like them anyway. Um, I just want to say, if in that vein of thought, is there anything that, despite its flaws, draws you in? So are you picking a film that is that is that we think is bad, but we also appreciate, or or what we sort what sort of line are we going with here? Well, there is a there's a question later on, which is kind of a matter of like underratedness. However, I would not go. I'm not saying that. I think it's a film that we can't help but love. You know, we understand it's not the best film ever, but we can still kind of okay, still pulls yeah. us in. Okay. Yeah. I would maybe say 
Oh, I think I might go for this two, and I can't decide. Okay, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with uh, 2012. Oh, that's an excellent. This is that is perfect for this question. That is a very very good question uh, answer to this. Because I remember watching that. I, it was one of the DVDs that my nana had, and I used to stay at my nana's house every other weekend, and would I must have watched that film. I don't know how many times. So many times. Because it was one of the only films that wasn't like a kids' film that we had on DVD. All the other films were like Meet the Robinsons and like Arthur and the Invisibles and all these sort of B, C tier yeah, yeah. animated films. And uh, yeah, this was 2012 for me is like, it's not good. Like, it's, it's not a good film. And it very much plays into the kind of stereotypical disaster tropes, stupid subplots, stupid character development and character decisions and like very you know very average script but i think it's one of those films this nostalgia probably plays a big part but i also think the kind of it's just it's almost like that level of so just so ridiculous but also it's just so easy to so easy to follow you know it's not gonna make you you know start questioning the nuances of of what happens in the film but um it's just a film you can just sort of enjoy and it's something that's a bit like a bit larger than life but you can still you know it's, it's kind of like not to the same degree but you think of stuff like the mcu and stuff where it's this big spectacle um and it's just it's just something you can just spot sort of just watch and just you know just just enjoy just this kind of idea of of something so um, out of like beyond just think like just something that's so strange and so you know dramatized and cinematic. But I mean, I mean, some of the visual effects in that film as well are actually pretty good. Um, as I said, though, it's more just like the narrative and 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 whatnot that kind of isn't great. But I think yeah, definitely one of those films where. I kind of maybe maybe more for nostalgia reasons, but definitely a film that maybe uh, it has some has at least some merit to it, which while still being critically uh, pretty poor. Yeah, um, I, I think it's kind of the the perfect thing that I was kind of looking for when it when it comes to that, and um, you know I'm kind of struggling a little to know my answer exactly, so I'm gonna quickly shift it right over to to you, Brandon. Um, when it comes to, you know, say not underrated, that, that kind of ties into more your question that I'll be asking later. Um, but when it comes to, to films that you can accept aren't great, but just love, is there anyone that sticks out for you? Uh, I have two answers for this, kind of, because I, I couldn't decide, because uh, the answers are, are quite different in the reasoning for them. The first sure. one is um, Friday the 13th, the original one, from I think 1980 maybe um, just because it's incredibly like it, it is one of I'd say something that's maybe started or is certainly something you think of when you think of pure 80s horror cheese tropey you know predictable sort of a bit stupid doesn't really make a lot of sense either but it's just so enjoyable to sit down with a group of people and watch um, that like you're not you're not really questioning why people make the decisions they make or or whatever's happening. You're just enjoying yourself because it's a good experience to have. Um, quite a reliable just popcorn movie, I'd say. Um, if you're looking for some bog standard horror, um, 
But the other film uh, that I was thinking about is the first Alvin and the Chipmunks film. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, not yeah. what I expected. Yeah, um, purely for nostalgia reasons, really. Um, looking back, some of the visual effects do not hold up, especially there's this one scene where Alvin's like having a shower in the dishwasher. He looks absolutely awful. But I just watched it a lot uh, in um, when I was growing up, and it has just got a place in my heart forever, no matter how bad all the films are and how long that franchise keeps going for. I just cannot bring myself to hate that movie. More of a squeak cool guy myself, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Well, it's, the, it's a solid franchise. I um, I fucking must have seen that first film a million times. That film was on telly every single week. Um, but, you know, I, I've had a bit of a, 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 bit of a thought for myself for this one. Uh, and it's, I think the answer is, is that this is going to be down to nostalgia mainly. I, I think all of our answers, including my next two, are both going to be uh, nostalgic. Which is, it's not particularly hated upon, but I've always really enjoyed the Johnny Depp remake of Child and the Chocolate Factory that maybe is not particularly seen as that good. Obviously, it's not as good as the original, perhaps. But I think I might settle on Sam, Rady, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. Um, it's obviously not great. Like, right, it's obviously not very good. It's obviously Venom's awful, and you don't really care about the bad guy. But I just think it's beautiful, beautiful cheese, and it's Tobey Maguire. is absolutely most Tobey Maguire. And um, I'm, I've seen that film an awful lot of times. I've seen every Spider-Man film an awful lot of times. And um, I'll stand by that. You know, even though it has its flaws, it is one of the most enjoyable um, couple hours of any superhero film you're going to watch when it comes to pure entertainment value. And, um, you know, <laughs> I guess it makes me extremely excited about the concept of having more Tobey Maguire and it makes me more extremely excited about the concept of having more Sam Raimi in our superhero lives. Any thoughts, anyone? <laughs> anyone gonna uh, no, that's actually a really good answer. I think if I'd thought of it, that might have also been my answer. Um, f- for similar nostalgic-based reasons, I watched Spider-Man 3 all the time when I was a kid. Obviously, I had no idea of just how not very good it was, but I, I enjoyed it anyway. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good answer I wish I'd thought of. Uh, I can remember coming out of the cinema, and I went with my godfather, who's like... Um a massive like comic book nerd and that and, and, and I was like a, a, a wee lad I was been like seven or whatever and um, I'm being like that was so good and he was like yeah was it and I was like yeah that was sick I was doing the same <laughs> thing with Crystal, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as well I was, I was like loving it and my parents were like was it really that good um, but you know I can I think maybe that um, the, the glint in the eye of seeing that big screen Spider-Man for the first time uh, when I was when I was seven maybe hasn't exactly left the, the Sam psyche but man what? What year was Spider-Man 3 released? 2007? 7, yeah. So I was yeah, 6 years old? I think that was one of the first films... I don't know if it... Maybe it wasn't... I'm trying to think a bit... I think from what I remember from Spider-Man 3 seeing it, I think... At least from... Maybe I'm making this up, but... I think it was one of the first films I saw where I actually went... Like you know, you know, kids have this. Like you can show kids absolute garbage, and they'll think, "Oh yeah, it's great. It was so fun. Like yeah, I had a I had a good joke in it, so it must be a good film." And I think Spider-Man Three was probably one of the first films I saw where I was like, I kind of knew that it wasn't like good. Like it was one of those where I wasn't clouded by just this, you know, cinematic really? like 
Yeah, like, I, I don't necessarily think I thought it was awful. I just think it was yeah. one of the first ones I kind of became a, a bit more aware that... Like, you must have been about, certain, like, nine at the time? Yeah, like, certain parts of it, like, I didn't enjoy it as much as, as maybe I would have done if I watched it when I was a bit a little bit younger or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of... I, I can't remember that. I remember thinking that a few times. I don't think I very much like Karate Kid with um, with Will Smith's son in it, uh, and I don't think I um, I very much liked um, City of Bones. I think that was like eleven when that came out. I remember thinking that was like fucking shite. But I think you know when you're a kid, you know, obviously it's quite easy to to enjoy a film, which I think might play into my underrated answer later. <laughs> but next up, we have got the. Uh, the first question from uh, a listener. Um, this is two-time co-host, uh, Bo Ambrose, has uh, has came in and asked us a, a question, which is, which film... It's actually written, which film is Jordan, but I'm going to ask all of us. Which film have we seen the most times? I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. Oh. I, I'm going to start off with Brandon. Right. Uh... uh this is a difficult one. I'm not exactly sure, but the first one that comes to my mind is actually This Is England. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a very strange reason, uh, I had it on DVD, and I used to put it on like before bed when I was a child. <laughs> this is England? <laughs> yeah, This Is England. I was watching a film about British nationalism when I was like going to bed at 10. <laughs> uh, ten yeah, would yeah, you say that is... Year, uh, 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, Would you say that has strongly uh, shaped your political values going forward? Um, it depends on what way you're talking about. Looking back, I was like, why was I watching this at, at 10 years old? Uh, but, yeah, I, I, maybe that. It, it, it has to be a film that I used to watch um, before bed. I think maybe Finding Nemo as well, because I was very much obsessed with Nemo as a child. But, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um I think once again, it's it's probably going to fall back into a, to a child answer for me. I think as a kid, I watched The Lion King on repeat. Um, maybe growing up a little bit more, I I watched uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life because it was on Netflix uh, a lot when I was like kind of thirteen to fifteen. Uh, I watched that the film an awful lot. Um, I'd say Willy Wonka is on TV all the time. The original one with Gene Wilder. I've seen that an awful lot of times. Um, but I think, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I don't think this is a surprise to me, but I think the answer is probably The Woman in Black. Um, again, you know, I think I've got a much softer spot for The Woman in Black than maybe uh, a lot of people. Maybe I, I enjoy it more than the majority of, of critics and such. But uh, I think, as I said, it was the first horror film I really watched when I was young. It must have been about 12 when it came out. And in the eight years since, I've watched it a, a dozen times, I think, um, same can be said for my mum as well, actually. I think she really likes the film. So I think my final answer is probably going to be The One in Black starring young Danny Radcliffe. Um, <laughs> what about you, JL? It's going to be a kid one again. It has to be. Because I've tended to avoid trying to re-watch films because I know that like as I've got older, my watch list has got longer and longer and I've become more aware that this film I should have seen that, so I just kind of hesitate to re-watch things unless it is very, very... like. I don't know, I've watched Tenet like three times now and I've watched, you know, a bunch of like Knives Out and 917 and stuff like a few times. But I think I've tried, I've tried to avoid re-watching things that I've already seen. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a kid answer. I think when I was a kid, my mum and dad always told me how I used to watch Thomas and the Magic Railroad on uh, <laughs> on VHS. Uh, you know, a solid, uh, probably, I don't know what the record is, after after confirmation. <laughs> on the on the world record for most times watched in a day, um, 
But I think there's a bunch of films I watched when I was younger. As as I said before, I used to go to my nana's house a lot and would watch. I'd be there with my cousins or step cousins or whatever, and we'd watch the same films over and over again. I think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, um, Thunderbirds, the live action one. They were all very much watched several times. Uh, you know, every other weekend. So that's probably one of those films, to be honest. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang probably is. Have you ever noticed with in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the, the bad guy place is called Vulgaria. It's like so, so lazy. They just changed one letter of an actual <laughs> country. They made it Nazi Germany and she called it Vulgaria. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. film though. It's, so it's funny actually because I was speaking to one of my flatmates at uni who's like quite into film and he was saying that apparently uh, Dick Van Dyke was drunk when he filmed most of the film. <laughs> he got asked about it and he said he don't remember filming half of it. Fucking, yeah, well, I, I can... Um... I think he probably famous for for that, and um, and of course Mary Poppins is probably the worst Cockney accent to ever grace. Yep. Um, probably the worst accent. The Hunt it's for such Red a October, nostalgic uh, Sean, film, not though. Sean Connery's Hunt for Red October Russian accent is is up there as well, actually, for worst TV accent or worst film accent. But um, yeah, it was a classic That's, film. Actually, I forgot that. It's just a pure shot of nostalgia that film though, and like the songs and just the stupid slapstick comedy and. If you weren't shitting seen yourself like the child catcher, you were lying. Like the child catcher was like the scariest yeah, thing. Yeah. Now it's just weird to watch it back. It's just weird to watch that. But I remember so, I've seen it in sensibilities. I've seen it in theatre as well, like on, on stage. Um, oh yeah, so have I, yeah. Yeah, it's actually quite good. Thoughts on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Brandon? Uh I have memories of watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as a child as well. Uh not as much, obviously, but I I I I think it's still enjoyable. Um culturally relevant to this day supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is still that, the longest word anyone knows uh, that's Mary Poppins mate oh is it oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate, I got confused Dick Van Dyke's doing me head in I can't no alright I'm going to stop talking you can save yourself like quickly yeah. sing us the, the Chi Chi Bang song um, I, I can't rem- I don't truly remember truly scrumptious that was one I remember I think I've, yeah, I've, truly I've just bang no, what I've was just the other one there's another one Chi Chi Bang Bang we love you what's the one that the guy the old guy sings in the shed is that in? I don't know. Oh, oh, the bloke that like he like flies in his little like portal potty thing. Yeah, he's in like a toilet, like a portable toilet, and then like he gets like picked up by like a I don't know something, <laughs> and he gets like transported over the ocean, and he like comes out of the toilet, and he's just there like looking around, he's singing some song. Yeah. I I um yeah cracking cracking film. I think I think I want to move on to actually I think um I think this is. Probably, I think the best question, um, and maybe most interesting question to, to be asked. It's asked again by by a, a, a fan. It's asked by uh, one Artie Proctor on Twitter. Um, which uh, what is he at? What is Artie Proctor's at? Scoring trousers. Yeah, scoring trousers. He asks. This is a very good question. Do you think there's been a significant drop off in quality of horror films in recent years? Um, which is. Oh. An interesting question, and um, and oh, one yeah. I don't know. I might open this one actually. That's alright. Yeah, go for it. Well, just because obviously I'm not a big horror fan. Like I know you've seen a lot more horror. Well, maybe not a lot more, but you've seen more horror films than I have. Like I, I've avoided all like the the ones everyone's seen. Like you know, as I've discussed in the Halloween episode and so on. And I've kind of um, lent more, as I've as I mentioned, into the more symbolic or kind of less supernatural 
horror films like uh, Get Out and Midsummer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess it's just kind of hard for me to, to really say whether there's been a drop-off because I, I never really experienced that. I mean, I, we talked about Elm Street in the Halloween episode and how, how, how I wasn't a fan of that sort of slasher, you know, um, over-the-top slasher genre. And then I've kind of avoided the supernatural, like, uh, you know, all the ones everyone's seen, like Blair Witch and um, Insidious and those sort of paranormal activity and all those ones. Um, but I think, I don't know, it's, as I said, it's hard for me to say it was in a drop-off, but I think in, at least, unless those films were exceptionally good, I think the horror films I've seen in recent years have been very, very good and uh, didn't resonate a lot more with me, like His House and Get Out and uh, and those sort of horror films, which have more more relevance and a more political or social meaning or whatever. Um, that's that's just my take on, on horror, but as I said, I haven't seen um, many of those sort of Supernatural or whatever ones that everyone's seen, so I don't know what, what Brandon thinks on if he's seen any of those sort of classic horror films. But yeah, obviously he talked about watching Friday Thirteenth earlier. So um, yeah, so you say you know that was a film that you, you kind of appreciate as being not the best ever. Um, looking from then to now, uh, Brandon, do you think there's has been a significant drop off, or would you say that it's maintained consistency? Would you say that it maybe hasn't any more than any other genre? Well, how do you feel specifically about the world of, of horror? Looking back at maybe a little bit, uh, you know, thirty, forty years ago, or, or you know, uh, right up till now. Uh, I'm not sure if there's been a, a drop off per se in terms of horror films. I just maybe it's the amount of horror films that are coming out. So some of them are extremely bad. I will say um, that the two worst films I've ever gone to a cinema to see are both horror films that came out within the last few years. Um, the same year, I think. I saw them within a few guess. weeks of each other. <laughs> yeah, g- feel free. Is it The Purge and Unfriended or something like that? <laughs> uh, no, not actually those. I've seen both of those. Both of the films I'm going to mention are worse. Okay. Um, in my opinion. Uh, so they are the nun and slender man which would oh, okay. both okay. Even worse oh, than yeah. Awful. yeah both awful slender man is i think the worst film i've ever seen i saw the ouija i can't remember what the film was i think it was like a, the second ouija ouija whatever it's film yeah. um a couple of years ago and it's like one of and, and it was that was easily one of the worst films i've ever seen in the cinema and it was absolutely laughable I, I think when horror is good it's really good and when it's bad it's really bad yeah. Um, yeah. So may- maybe that's why they stand out more as awful films. But within the last few years, I think we've also seen somewhat of a revival. Maybe, maybe for people who thought the horror genre was maybe dying with films like uh, Hereditary and Midsummer uh, and and Get Out and and even Us, which I enjoyed. It's, I don't think it's as good as Get Out, but I think Jordan yeah. Peele doing yeah, his thing is, is a enjoyable. So I'm not sure if it's um, a decline in quality as much maybe as just when it is bad, it is notably bad. I think um, for me, it's that I would say there has been a clear drop-off in quality of mainstream horror in maybe the more traditional sense. But that does not mean that the genre itself is struggling. Um, In a way that I mean that um, the stuff that was... You know, I think we, we maybe agree that horror was probably the, kind of the, the forefront of the, the cinema industry in the early days, the 40s and, and 50s, were kind of dominated by horror, and, and that Hammer House of Horror is almost what you think of when you think of that, or Nosferatu and things like that. And, and, and going on, I think 
maybe the stuff that was particularly popular in the 70s and 80s and was at the the forefront of mainstream horror stuff like um, you know the exorcist or, or, or slasher films um, I think those have continued in a way that has become so repetitive um, that they just aren't scary um, there's very little care given to um, real filmmaking i think there's so many paranormal activity twos and saw threes um and there's so many films about possessed children and possessed dolls um that almost i that you know that is in a way like what i consider like that popular mainstream horror maybe not something you'd expect an award show but something you'd expect your your flatmate that doesn't really like films to go to the cinema and watch their boyfriend that kind of thing um however i think that Realistically, we need to look at the horror genre now, especially last few years and, and especially going forward, um, in kind of splitting almost into to kind of to use terms that were more used 20 years ago, A and B kind of films. I think there is going to be an awful lot of, um, you know, Amityvilles and, 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 you know, The Conjuring Sixes. But I think when it comes to psychological horror, um, with t modern technology, with um, maybe still an awful lot of innovation and creativity left to, to be there. There's awful a uh, lot of, of very good, more psychological horrors. As I say, stuff like Get Out, stuff like Us, or uh, Quiet Place, or His House, or Saint Maud. You know, you can you can go back even further. Maybe that traditional Hammer style. You know, there's going to be less women in blacks that are good, but there's going to be more. You know. There's going to be more get out. So I think realistically, we need to look at um, maybe not what's popular purely numbers because it's always going to be dominated by that kind of cheesy jump scare. But when it turns out an actual pure quality, I think we can still see the horror genre as having that psychological edge um, jump out. I think realistically, when we look at it going forward, I think almost we need to expect that. Um, award shows should be doing better in a way. I think that if you're looking at a lot of those top horror films, I think they've. How are you expecting the genre to progress or improve or stay on its feet or however you see it? If it's not being rewarded for greatness, I think films like Get Out or Us or Hereditary or Midsummer have all been underwhelming in award shows, especially the Oscars. I think Get Out could have won happily a large number of Oscars that it didn't. I think if you're really wanting to preserve the genre, as I very much do, you really need to start thinking of um, kind of giving people recognition for it, because otherwise top actors and top directors won't want to continue the genre. Um, I think we're in an interesting situation right now where it easily could go either way. Um, and, and horror is definitely the genre that both ages the worst. You know, like if you look at a film like Nightmare on Elm Street that was considered terrifying at the time or whatever, uh, stuff like, you know, uh, going back, even stuff like Dracula and Osferatu, which were terrifying at the time, are laughable now, whereas, you know, dramas are still stand up. Uh, they age the worst, and also the most shit is made. You know, the horror film channel or whatever is filled with a million B tier horrors that are made in 15 minutes. But I think whilst the, you know, the. the Qual the quality isn't there, you know, so the quantity isn't there, there's so many bad ones, but I think you'll find the quality in that small number of really top tier Hollywood um, and top tier really uh, passionate psychological horrors that are going to be uh, continued to made and have been. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, just uh, just Brandon made an interesting point when he was talking about um, the, the fact that, you know, when they're good, they're very good, and when they're bad, they can be very bad. It's kind of, I always, before I kind of got a bit more into film, I always kind of had that attitude towards uh, towards horrors, but also towards films like uh, like comedy films and stuff as well. Um, there's a, I, I don't know, I've talked about it with Gow as well, it was like a very fine line and sort of a sort of 
parallel almost, like a two sides of a coin with, with comedy and horror. And I feel like there's very similar uh, sort of themes running through through both of them in, in what, you, what you mentioned now with horror films is that they, they can age very poorly. Um, you know, taste change and, and what makes people laugh or be scared it can can change within, you know, just year, just years at a time and, and be very outdated. If, you know, look, looking back at those 80s comedy films and 80s horror films, as you, as you mentioned, and it's uh, quite interesting just to think about because that's uh, that's something that I was thinking thinking about even before I got really into sort of more into film with with comedies and horrors. They they kind of stand out a lot more when when they're good and when they're bad. They can they can be very very good and very bad as well. Yeah, and I think being strong in both the horror and comedy um, genres is why Scary Movie Four is probably the greatest film of all time. <laughs> I think there's a strong argument to be made in, uh, in Scary Movie's favour. But I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it's a very good question. Uh, I think it's certainly one that will need to be looked at as time goes on and as the horror genre progresses. But I think, um, I think you know, realistically, you were looking at Jordan Peele and the people that follow him, how Candyman does, for example, obviously produced by him rather than directed, to see if um, the genre really has legs. But I think there'll always be a place for horror. And I think even if it goes through periods of, of struggle, uh, maybe I'd say the, the early 2000s were maybe an issue for a period where there wasn't really any uh, top horror films coming out that I can think of. Um, there probably will always be a renaissance just due to the fact that it's kind of massive popularity. And... Um, obviously has, has been a staple of the film industry since kind of the day it was made. But I think that kind of pulls in actually to something JL, JL said there. Um, and you said um, about how you perceived horrors and comedies prior to your uh, stint as a kind of considering yourself a film fan. And um, I'm going to ask now, um, I'm going to ask you because, you know, I seem to be asking you the first all the time, but because uh, the other person said it. At what point could you pinpoint or a moment or, or a few moments when you identified within yourself that you weren't someone that liked films like anyone else did, like to, to a normal degree, to the point where you consider yourself a real film fan or, or you know, film fanatic or, or, or such? Is there any point where you thought, yeah, you know, that I'm into film? I just don't like films, I'm into film. Uh, probably reading an in-depth breakdown of Inception. <laughs> Really? Like kind of going, yeah. I mean, what what year did Inception come out? Twenty ten. So well, I would have been twelve, and I probably saw it a bit after it, like a bit, a little bit after it came out. I don't think I saw. It, I didn't see it in cinema. I saw it. I think I saw it on at home. Um, I don't know. It was sort of around that period. I remember watching in uh, Inception and and really being sort of drawn into it, and just this, as I mentioned before, this potential for larger than life things that have something to say but are also very cinematic and very you know just just huge spectacles um but at the same time something like i remember i remember distinctly the moment the moment where my dad um showed me tropic thunder and he basically just put it on and he didn't actually tell me what it was about he just put it on and i remember going into it and there's the opening adverts uh in the film which are actually part of the film and just that idea of having something which was so familiar and yet so different in, in the way it presented those opening adverts where you kind of assuming that, you know, it's on a DVD, I just kind of thought, oh, it's going to be, you know, these are just opening adverts for for the film. And then and then to realise that those adverts were part of a film, um, I think that was a film for me that which really sort of made me appreciate 
comedy films a lot more and these sort of um, almost, I don't know, just kind of taking the genre and just bending them in interesting ways. And obviously very different films, but Inception and Tropic Thunder were films which, you know, had very grand, very... Um, just, just kind of taking genres and, and sort of bending them in different ways. Uh, obviously, Inception, this kind of heist film, as, as with Tenet, we've seen, but it's it, it sort of in reverse almost, and that well, in both in both cases, yeah. And uh, and and, and with, with Tropic Thunder, this kind of comedy film, which was very self-aware and very almost meta in in that sense that it was kind of taking fun out of, of these big sort of typical comedy films and, and the actors involved in them and obviously there's uh, the character that Danny Jr. plays which has very interesting permutations in, in the current climate but still very, I would very much disagree with what people say about that role um, in the way that, you know, it's kind of this satire and, and satirising Hollywood and satirising comedy films but in these big big action films and I don't know, those two films for me are films I remember very much early on kind of sticking out as films where... I think it also kind of coincides as well, though, with, you know, those moments where you kind of look back and you kind of think, um, at what point did you kind of become yourself in a, in a way? Like, mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you did things and you kind of think, oh, I, I just did that because I was a kid and that's just how kids behave. But then it's kind of like that kind of coming of age moment where you just realise, you know, that you're your own person and, and what kind of makes you you and, and stuff like that. And I think that sort of coincides as well with, with being around that age as well. So, yeah, really, uh, I don't know. I think those two films were probably two of the earliest films I remember. Um, Inception reading those big breakdowns of, of the plot and, and what it meant and, and what actually happened in the film. Have you seen Tenet, Brandon? Uh, no, I, I did not uh, bother. Okay, I just wanted because me and Jay are members of the of the Tenet fan club. I was wondering if uh, you could get an invitation, but apparently not. Oh, I will get back to you on that. <laughs> we are not in the majority, I'd say. Um, yeah, that's a very interesting um, moment, I, I think, um, especially when you talk about towards the end of, of that, when you're talking about those moments you look back uh, and you kind of realise what made you. Um, and I think I can think about that for for a number of things, of course, uh, not just uh, not just um, film, but I can think I can think about football, I can think about music um, yeah. and a few other things as well. Um Hector Bellerin um, getting sent off against Liverpool in fourteen fifteen. I think it was like first time I was like screaming. I remember with football. I remember the, this is completely a tangent now, but I remember football when I was in primary school. Uh, I remember Spain winning the first Euro in two thousand and eight. Was it? Yeah. Um, and thinking Spain, one of international big football tournament like Spain yeah, are rubbish, yeah. aren't they? Like Spain aren't that good at football. And then just like kind of going from there, but yeah, just those moments where you kind of look back and you think how naive and how uninformed were you as a child and yeah 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 um but um you know i'll I'll go i'll go i think there's a few different points um i've always been interested in films uh especially you know from a i guess on a a basic level since i was a very young kid i watched a lot of films i was a kid my mom is is uh, and i've mentioned enough times on the podcast my mom is uh you know into films more than i am even now she's she's a bit of a film fanatic um and so i've always been brought up with with a lot on but i think the moments that stand out for me i think the first one was when did the first hunger games film come out about 20 
thirteen, something like that. Uh, Hunger Games? Uh, twenty twelve, maybe. I yeah. So I'd read the Hunger Games books when I was in primary school, right? Like towards the end, and then the Hunger Games film came out, and I was still reading them. I didn't want to watch it before I finished reading the third one or something, and um, or I couldn't make it or something. And it turned out that like it was like the film was basically over, and like there was no um, like the screenings were over in in Ely and Cambridge and stuff. So, like, I managed to convince my mum to, like, drive me, like, two and a half hours or, like, two hours and 20 or something, like, some fucking cross-country journey to <laughs> some, like, the last cinema, some, like, weird, like, little rustic old-fashioned cinema that was still showing it. And I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, I care that much about a film. I think, you know, that kind of, that years, that was when I, I watched Skyfall, that's when I watched Dark Knight and that kind of stuff, which, you know, I've kind of kept up with me as some of my favourite films to this day. Uh, I kind of went to a bit of a lull film-wise after that when I was focusing more on, like, video games and, and shit like that. But I think um, after that, maybe uh, there's a point that, that that kind of comes up in my head when maybe I was 15 or 16 or something like that, maybe a bit younger, um, when my, my dad, who isn't in the films really, uh, he likes a few films here and there, but you know he he wasn't like going to cinema or he hasn't seen a lot of, of top films or whatever. Uh, but one film that he did, he does love, and, and he showed me, I remember watching Pulp Fiction for the first time and kind of being like, whoa, like, you know, because like never seen anything that's even slightly like cerebral or anything. Like the, the concept is out, it's out of order and whoa, and like, oh, look at this. Like, it's such like a strong vibe. It's from 20 years after and all that stuff. And uh, I think um, Pulp Fiction kind of changed the way that I saw films, which is, I guess, a very basic comment to make, seeing as like every person that thinks about films has a Pulp Fiction post in their bedroom um, but in the same month as that I watched Forrest Gump for the first time which is you know one of my favorite films as well I'd say the third moment actually would have been um, and I have to give a shout out to the boy when uh, Jürgen asked me um, back in like July of 2019 um, do you like films I was like well yeah I guess I do like films yeah and he's like do you want to do a podcast I think when then and then recording that first episode Call Me By Your Name and watching Call Me By Your Name for the first time and and then doing the review of it, and I was like, "Well, I actually feel like fairly confident to be able to talk about these kind of things. I must like kind of kind of know it." And then going to the cinema and taking notes on my phone and stuff. I think um, the the uh, the Now Shane podcast, I think, is probably one of the big things that made me realise that maybe I care about films more than the average Joad. And uh, yeah, and obviously I'm happy to be doing it. Like 25, 30 episodes down the line. Um, but yeah, okay, Brandon. Uh, obviously, you're a slightly different path because I, I did do media at A level, but um, you're actually doing film studies, so you know, there's, there's, there's no kind of, there's an almost less casual way to it. You know, you've you decided that that's kind of what you want to go into. So where did that realisation come in that you were uh, maybe more into films than the average person, I guess? Uh, it was more of a gradual process. I think I think you two have got, like, maybe more resonant moments in particular in mind. But for me, the film was always just sort of there, a part of my life. Like I mentioned before when we were talking about the film that maybe we've seen most often, um always just used to put films on when I was going to bed as a kid and, and just always be watching films and stuff anyway. Uh, but obviously then I've got the idea in my mind that I wanted that to be something that I could do as a job. Um, so obviously you look, you look into it more then uh, and, and sort of that process, but also I think around the age of maybe 11, 12, um, my stepdad is sort of quite nerdy and he and he was into all the obviously quite classic science fiction things and and it was around the time that like stuff like the avengers and things were coming out um so he used to like talking about them 
with me because my mum was never really bothered, um, which obviously is how like I started opening up dialogues uh, about films and having conversations about them properly for the first time. Uh, and from there, I obviously started studying it at college and things, and, and it's just become a gradual part of, of my everyday life, really. Uh, it's unescapable for me uh, by choice. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, as well, you mentioned the Avengers there, which I was, while, while Sam was talking, I was just thinking, is there anything else I can think of that helped, like, that was stuck out of my mind in terms of just becoming a sort of more invested in, in the film world? And one thing I did actually just, my mind did jump to was a school trip we had. I can't remember which school year it was in, but we had a school trip to watch The Deathly Hallows Part 2 at the cinema. And that was, I, I mean, I wasn't even a big Harry Potter fan. Like, I, I've seen all the films and stuff, but I never read the books and I wasn't actually as invested as a lot of people at school were. But I remember going to watch that film and just thinking, well, this is like, the, this is the last film. This is like the culmination of like how many years of films and almost that kind of end game level of just this massive cinematic world that everyone knows, everyone's seen. And it was a film, the second Deathly Hallows film was a film that I remember seeing and just thinking, I'm not actually that invested in Harry Potter. I've seen the films, as I said, not with the books, whatever. But that second film really, really just, I really liked that second part of the Deathly Hallows and really engaged me and just thought, I just thought it was a really good film. And for someone who wasn't as invested in the in the sort of world and stuff, it kind of that was definitely a moment as well. I think, at least retrospectively, where I can sort of pinpoint another sort of uh, increase in in attention and the Avengers as well. But just uh, as uh, as Brandon mentioned, that that was another one as well, where just this realization that film could be so much more than just standalone sort of rom com or you know just simple comedy films or kids films or whatever. This uh, this idea that it could be something more with like a big universe and and just really pulling together different characters and and uh, making something really cinematic and a big spectacle as I mentioned with Inception. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think that kind of uh, universe building it was I think pretty oh, big sh- for me as well. I just thought of another one as well. How did what? I not mention Avatar? Really, Avatar. Oh. Going to watch that. I remember seeing that in three D when it first came out and just coming back from that and being like. Wow, that was amazing! What did I just watch? Like, I remember I used to hate three D because I wear glasses and the three D just doesn't work. I, I I can never see anything in three D. But I remember going to it and just thinking that was amazing. Like that was that was definitely one moment as well because I I met I went with um when I when I brother's friends from primary school uh that he met in primary school uh we went with we were like 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 at that age we were quite close with his family. And we went, we made like a big thing of it. We went with like his family and like my mum and dad and, and, and like his like older siblings and like a big group of us went to watch Avatar. Uh, and I remember coming back from that and just thinking like that was that was definitely something, even though obviously in retrospect you look back now and you think mm, maybe the film wasn't that good. Um, yeah, definitely. That was a big, big moment in, in going to the cinema because I didn't really go to cinema that much when I was younger either. So that was one of, the, one of the earlier, bigger films I remember going to see in the cinema as well. I um I, I yeah as you say the more you talk the more you think of different things I think oh that and all this and I think yeah. when I was watching Sherlock when I I wanted to become a film editor now obviously I I do sports journalism so it's a bit changed but I wanted to be a film editor that's why I chose media A level that's because of Sherlock's editing which is is by and large absolutely excellent but also I think I've had an interest in visual media in a more broad sense since I was a kid as well because 
I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, being a, a kid and, and absolutely obsessed with Doctor Who, uh, watching all of the Series 1 and Series 2 box sets over and over, and I was like, I need more content, and I watched it with the audio commentary on, I watched it with everything, and I started watching all the bloopers and, and, and outtakes, and, and when I was doing that and seeing them basically just having fun on set and you know, talking to each other and, and dancing around and stuff, I think it really made me appreciate the, the role of the actual actor uh, and kind of... Uh, I, I realistically, as I said, it's not a realistic want because it's uh, ext- one of the hardest you know things to ever do. But I think since then I've always really, really wanted to be an actor. It's not saying I've pursued enough, I think. Um, but I think having that interest in, in, in acting has always been uh, one of the big things that's always made me kind of more interested in, in the act of making films because it's always made me question exactly what they're doing and why they're doing and why they're standing there and, and what decisions from the director would have made them do those things. Um, I think maybe maybe was the first time or one of the first times uh, that I really felt analytical about it at such a young age. I think, as I said, when I felt analytical as well, which would obviously help with the podcast, as I said, would have been the editing with, with Sherlock. But yeah, you could think I could think of a million examples really as a question to open up a lot of um, a whole can of worms, a can of proverbial can of proverbial worms. Um, and I think we'll move on, shall we, to a slightly more. Um, I don't know, actually, this is a question that I have no fucking clue about. We'll go for <laughs> Brandon first, mate. All right, pal. Uh, um, yeah. If So, is, is can you, have any animated film you've ever seen, right? Which mm-hmm. film would you most enjoy or like or choose to be remade in live action? Oh, this is, oh, okay. This is a rough question. Um, because I'm actively against uh, this process. The act of remaking a film? No, no, no. Not remaking necessarily, but maybe but like making the, an like, animation live action. Like, Cin- like Cinderella and shit. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't see the point in it. Mm-hmm. But if you were to choose any specific that you were like, I can see that working in a human uh, form. Oh. Hmm. I'm really not sure because the, the, the medium of animation is so you, you can do anything with it and yes, I think making yeah. it live action just limits it more whenever we were talking about uh, whenever I heard you talking it was going to be an animation question the film that immediately came to mind before I even knew what the question was was uh, Coraline which is one of maybe my favourite animated movie ever um, but am I'm I right not... in saying that you share that s- a similar opinion to that, JL? And you very much it's up there with one of my favourites. I think Incredibles yeah. just about beats it out, but it's definitely one yeah. of my like top yeah. two or three animated films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how that would fare in in, in live action. T- uh, maybe The Incredibles is a decent shout because superhero films are obviously sort of a zeitgeist than I've been for the past ten years, but I, I really. This is a rough one to answer. I'm just gonna, you just cheat and just say Spider Verse. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all. I think that's already gonna happen though. Um, yeah, I mean that's what I was gonna. I was thinking, uh, Sam. I was gonna say Akira. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that but would definitely I work. Think, I think they are doing it. I think Taika's doing it, isn't he? Is he? Oh, I, I think, think so. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard rumblings about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, like. Like obviously films like I was gonna say that I think one that I would pick which obviously doesn't feature a human lead and therefore would have to be a CGI character even if it was in the real world is um, I think Wally you know in a, in a real um, 
maybe but no, slightly... but not Pixar though. I, I right. was thinking Pixar, and then I was like, hang on, but I then... think it wouldn't be on better than the original. But I think toned down, maybe even slightly less charged, maybe a slightly more adult, uh, not adult because obviously it's Wally, maybe like a more teenage uh, age group. I think that idea of that um, that that first scenes and that kind of bleak. Um, Desperate World, I think, may be made with the same level of care of something like, um, you know, Blade Runner 2049 or something, with that kind of visuals, um, you know, that, that juxtaposition of this, like, happy creature in, in a real, like, wasteland, I think, would work um, maybe not as well, but, you know, close to as well with um, kind of the real visuals of, of, of cracked soil uh, as it would with... Uh, digitally made one and I think maybe a lot of those obviously you'd have to change the characters they can all be morbidly obese but they kind of that, that image of what kind of modern humanity is like uh, maybe with some real people could add some emotion behind them uh, I don't know that's just uh, the first one that came to my head that I thought would work um, obviously I'm through that box now I'm thinking see I saw Anomalisa and I was like that would work but then I also understand why they decided to animate it in the first place so probably not but what I, uh, ones I did see, which could potentially work as live action, the cruise. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it would work as live action, but also no, please don't make that in live action. Please don't um, make a second one. Full stop. I can't believe they made a second cruise <laughs> film. Mina Robinson's though, as I mentioned before, that would be an interesting live action. Yeah. 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 Have you seen? Have you, have you both seen that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that is uh, that is a film for me, which obviously is a pure hit of nostalgia again. And it's not necessarily like a film. great film, but I I do really like it. Like I've very fond memories of the film, sort of some of the the plot in let's put in inverted commas twists of the film, especially for young audiences are actually quite interesting. Um, what else have I got in here which could work in live action? Monster House is like a kids horror film. Monster House is a quite good film actually. I quite, yeah, quite I appreciate enjoy Monster House. House. Yeah, yeah, but like a live action version. I think yeah, I think could that work, could work. Yeah, definitely. I think it very much could work. Like a bit more of a yeah. child-friendly it, perhaps. I'm thinking Monster House. Mia Robinson's on oh, my third one that I saw, which I could think could work. Is has anyone seen Hoodwinked? Yes. Oh, that, that, imagine that in live action. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The animation lets that film down, so maybe that's actually the the optimal answer. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, like, I mean, there was animals in it, obviously, which would just be Blind King-esque in terms of making live action, which isn't. You know, it's just animation anyway, effectively. But um, yeah, it'd be fun to have some of those like human characters in uh, in live action for Hoodwink. That's uh, another film which again isn't very technically good, but it's just nostalgia and just fun to watch. I would ask the reverse question, like, what, what would everyone make live action to an anime film? But there's no point because we all would pick the two popes. So I guess we'll just move on. The two popes. <laughs> um, can I just say, as uh, JL was talking, I actually did think of, a, of an answer. I would like to see. Uh, Ted, but it's Mark Wahlberg and a real bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, can we do that? Yeah, I think we can sort that one out. They're doing, actually, when I've, when I've just seen that, I think they are doing in live action. They're doing an Astro Boy live action, aren't they? Oh, yikes. Can't be good, can it? Also, can we please uh, can we please get a live action Shrek, a live action Despicable Me? Imagine those two in live action. You <laughs> <laughs> kill the movie. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're all they're all good answers. I think um, yeah, I think there's there's 
maybe I have one of the harder questions to ask. And um, we're down to our final couple. Uh, and I'll go for I'll go for Brandon's question next, uh, which is kind of similar to a previous question asked, um, but it's slightly worded differently. So um, it was okay. a favorite movie that ge- that people generally think is shite. So rather than the film that okay. we appreciate as bad, you know, uh, we enjoy it anyway. What film do you we think is unfairly uh, criticized um, when realistically, you know, we think it's a lot better than it's made out to be? Um, oh, I, I was hoping the question was going to be underrated films because that's a different question, isn't it? How is it? How so? Well, like underrated is like films that could still be seen as good, but you think are really, really good. Whereas like this question is more like films that are bad that you think are good. No, you know what? I, I think I'll accept either one if you want to go for Andre. If, if it is a three-star film that you think is a five-star film, I'm happy to hear it. I was going to say The Gift. don't know if you've seen it. No, have I haven't seen, seen it? it. No, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Brandon? Uh, no. Okay, uh, so I'm just going to... Yeah, it's 2015. Uh, it's directed by Joel Edgerton, screenplay by Joel Edgerton, and Joel Edgerton's in it. Uh, it's a Jason Bateman like thriller. Um, and I think it's generally fairly decently well received but I think it's one of those films that I really really like it's like this dark thriller and uh, that's I mean if, if, if you're accepting underrated films I will say that one but if, yeah, you're going... so if you were forced into going for a film that you considered bad and you, you think is at least very like pretty good is a okay a film that I that most people think is bad that I think is at least decent. I, I, I'm actually going to say I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because a lot of people have come on board with the franchise because they've uh, recently redone it as a limited series but I actually thought, I mean I'm not so, I'm not watching it all a long time but I remember based on what I do remember having you say seen Watchmen. It, you can say Watchmen. No, no, no. Oh. That's, that's, that's generally well received isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, I think it is. That's why I was going to say The Golden Compass. Oh really? That is a I actually film. really like that film. Like as a yeah. kid, and it's a film that I don't actually think is that like that bad. I don't think it's awful. I think a lot of people, especially people who read the books, they weren't happy with the ending because it felt very rushed. And I think they were trying to set up a sequel, which uh, obviously didn't come. But um, and it does, and the ending isn't good in uh, in retrospect because they don't have that sequel. But I don't know. Overall, I thought for the time, I thought some of the VFX was actually pretty good. I thought some of the acting was actually decent, and uh, it's a film I enjoyed watching as a kid. And uh, that's obviously ultimately the target audience of the film. That's uh, one of the films I always don't necessarily stand up for because I know that it has its flaws, but I think it's no way near as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah, uh, interesting. I would definitely be on the boat. I have seen the film for. I do think it's shite. Um, <laughs> so. But obviously, you bring up good points, and obviously, everything is subjective. But I'll go on to you, Brandon. Of all the, f- this is this is your question. You did ask it. Um, what's your favorite film that people generally consider shite? Uh, I, I, I don't have a solid an answer for this as I would like, considering I did ask the question, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, but I think maybe, uh, and I don't know how generally hated upon this film is. But uh, Adam Sandler's classic from 2006, Click. Click is a yeah, good film. Click. I, Click I, is a good film. I quite enjoy Click. Uh, I, I don't know if it's you know as stigmatised with the Adam Sandler thing as some of his other films are, but uh, I, I do think it's nowhere near as bad as some of the other things he's made. 
Uh, and I think maybe it'll get unfairly grouped in with some of the like Jack and Jills or Ridiculous Sixes, but I actually think it's quite an enjoyable film. Yeah. I, Johnny, very much I remember Johnny was rewatching that recently. He said if you analyse it as more of like a sad drama than a rom like a stupid comedy film, then uh, he actually said he like quite enjoyed it. I um veteran of the podcast, Johnny. I will um, quickly just admire the way that um, you said the word click in your accent. Cliff. <laughs> Cliff. Cliff. Very Cliff. good. Really proud of you on that one. Um, I think for me, um, there's a couple ones that stand out. The first one is uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, uh, which I obviously oh, reviewed God, in the podcast in uh, episode one of the original podcast of Jürgen. Uh, I'll stand by that film. It's, uh, it's not the best film ever, but I gave it an 8 out of 10. I stand by the 8 out of 10. I think it generally has not that many flaws. Uh, I think it's a, a pretty good superhero film, and I, I thought um, a number of the performances were. I thought Sophie Turner was she got an awful lot of uh, abuse um, for for her role. I thought she was generally pretty good. I thought Jennifer Lawrence was good when she was in it. I didn't think particularly Nicholas Holt was good, but obviously Fassbender and uh, McAvoy stand up as always. And I, I thought it was a as hard as, as, as superhero films go, especially ones that are forced into um, half the runtime they're originally supposed to. Stands up pretty well. And uh, I'm also going to say my second one would be uh, another film that came out, you know, relatively recently. I would say uh, it's Chapter Two. Uh, a lot of people like the first it film, but I think it chapter two was particularly hated upon. I thought it was close to as good as the first. Uh, I thought it had a lot of good moments. Uh, maybe the ending was a little bit off, but that is more Stephen King's fault than the film itself. Um, and I thought it was uh, pretty scary throughout, and um, I, I think it was, uh, does not warrant the rating and, and the thoughts that people have for it. Uh, I, I, I'd say I agree with it. In chapter 2, I thought it was a pretty good sequel, uh, which is interesting considering it had a lot of things going against it, especially with the runtime, people giving it the time of day. But um, no, I generally think it's good and gets somewhat unfair criticism as well. I also could go for The Rise of Skywalker as well, because I think that film's quite good. <laughs> no, I'm, just looking through. I'm looking through what I've done is I've gone on letterbox I've sorted by average rating I've gone to the bottom and then looked at ones that are like standing out in terms of the rating I've given them compared to the rest of the films around them mm-hmm. uh, two that stand out other than um, hang on what did I actually say originally again huh what did I say originally? Oh, Golden Compass. Yeah, Golden Compass. Uh, the two of ones that are selling out amongst the the low ratings uh, are Hancock. Yeah, I think that's a generally quite good film. And uh, also the Dictators in there, but yeah, that's uh, and also the live action Robocop. But I haven't seen <laughs> the original Robocop. Uh, the yeah. reboot, sorry, not the live action. Of course, it was live action. The the reboot, the twenty fourteen film. Um, I've not seen the original, so I don't have the same level of expectation, maybe, or the same level of, um, you know, the the appreciation of, of what the original film did. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I give it that three. It yeah. seems to be very. I mean, it's only two point four, but it's one of the films that all the other films around it on my letterbox is like one, two stars. So that one just stands out amongst amongst the rest, really. The lowest average rating film I've ever seen is Fly Me to the Moon. Do you, know, do you guys remember that? No. Like the when it's like some weird yeah, house flies. Yeah, Tim Curry does the voice. It's like these house flies go to like get stuck in the in a space shuttle and they fly go in place. I I remember thinking it was shit at the time, even as a kid, but I didn't realize <laughs> it was 1.5 rated. Wow. My lowest rated 
averages on Letterboxd amongst the likes of Epic Movie, Meet the Spartans, Movie 43, Catwoman, Aragon, and G-Force. <laughs> my, uh, my four lowest rated films in terms of average rating, three of them are from the same franchise. Uh, one of them's Epic Movie, and the rest are all of the Fred films, with Fred, th- Fred 3, <laughs> Camp Fred being the lowest rated, with a 1. Fred. Fred 3. What Camp an icon. Fred. Wow, I didn't realise you'd seen all the Fred films. I, I didn't realise you were such a veteran of I'm the film game. Huge Fred fan. The Fred Cinematic Universe. I don't think the Fred films are that bad either, to be honest. <laughs> they, obviously, they, obviously are, they obviously are bad, but I, I could watch them and just laugh. So bad it's good, I'd say they fall into that category. Fair enough, fair enough. And we're going to leave it with a final question, which is um, a kind of very kind of typical question for any kind of film Q&A and when you talk to people about favourite films and stuff, which is, um, of every film you've seen, right, um, Mm -hmm. what film, which you haven't seen in the cinema, would you wish that you'd seen the first time in the cinema? So not what you can go see oh, now. Which Ooh. film, if you wish that you'd seen first time in the cinema? Uh, I'm going to really quickly sort by average rating, uh, my rating, Letterboxd, and see what comes <laughs> up, and see what I didn't see in the cinema. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, let's start for you, Jay, then. Start for you. I'm going to say... Oh, what am I going to say? I already know. I think I need this question as soon as, uh, as soon as I write it down. Okay, uh, I think it's one of two. Uh, one of two, and the two being Whiplash or Birdman. Really? Because especially Whiplash is not a film that stood out for me as something that I would have felt would have been I, that honestly, much improved. Honestly, the... It's a, I've got it as a five star anyway, very, very good film. Yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, having seen La La Land on Netflix for the first time, then seeing it in cinema, I moved it from a four to a five. Like, how much my appreciation gonna go up for Whiplash? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just so such an intense film, kind of uncut gems level of tension. That um, I feel like imagine watching that in the cinema, especially with like the obviously it's very heavily revolving around uh, you know music and stuff and such. So. That's one. And then Birdman, just because the cinematic level of it, you know, the the pseudo one-take and um, just the performances in that film were really good. That's a film I have wished I would have seen in cinema as well. Probably those, I don't know. I'll have a quick look, look through while you guys are talking, but those two immediately stand out to me, at least. The one that stands out as a film to me is a film that you actually have seen in the cinema, I believe. I don't know if you saw it. I think you talked about seeing it um, in the cinema. Uh, obviously, not the first time. Though, is I think, the... Especially in its kind of final version. And I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. The lights and music and sounds and and jumping out to me of seeing Blade Runner on the big screen um, for the first time, I think, would have, you know, a film that I already consider is in my top four. I absolutely adore Blade Runner. But the concept of seeing that in its kind of best form uh, in, a, in a medium that's so, so serious, especially imagine just kind of going back to the 80s as well like having seeing that at the time as well I think um, a lot of people's first choice would be Star Wars um, I think a lot of people would pick stuff like that Star Wars and much like and stuff but because of just how well they, they lend themselves to the big screen but for me uh, it's, it's got to be Blade Runner and obviously preferably the Final Cut version 
I'm an idiot, I've just realised. What? I don't think I ever saw Inception in the cinema. Did you know I have? Well, I, I don't think so. I saw the first part Okay, yeah, it has to be that, or you're gonna hate me. What am I gonna say? Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> What's that? I think I didn't quite hear you. Mad Max Little Women Road. <laughs> little Women. I saw Little Women in the cinema, so that's, oh, that's I also not saw Little Women in the cinema as well. Did you try and get a refund because you fell asleep? <laughs> You're got, a disgrace to the podcast, man. A, we should uh, kick you off. I've got a, uh, I've got an unlimited card, so it's free for me to to sleep for Little Women, actually. No, yeah, Mad Max. I think Mad. Actually, no. I take take Whiplash and Birdman back. It's Inception or Mad Max. That, I take you, I take Blade Runner back. I'm going for Rebecca 2020. <laughs> what about you, Brandon? Uh, uh, I I have one um quite. I don't know if it's quite a boring answer, uh, but. Uh, one that stands out to me when I'm looking through my uh, letterbox is Jurassic Park. Uh, I think seeing that on a on a big screen with the the sound in in the optimal uh, sort of viewing experience, it, it'd be something quite enjoyable just for the spectacle. Um, I think maybe at the time with the, with the technology on show it would have been appreciated even more. But um, I I have a slightly different answer as well for something more personal. Uh, maybe seeing uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 uh, in, in the cinema for the first time would have been something to behold because quite possibly the best superhero film of all time, something that meant a lot to me growing up as well. Um, uh, obviously the only one I caught in cinemas was actually Spider-Man 3, so I think that would be something that I would have remembered uh, as well. Yeah, I saw Jurassic Park recently, actually, in the cinema. That was a great experience, especially because I'd never seen it from start to finish before. Um, that was that was really good. And the effects, as you mentioned, might have maybe been a bit more impressive at the time, but definitely still def- uh, hold up practical and VFX hold up today as well. Yeah, um, all, all good answers, Ran. I think that's one of those so many people things you could think of, like, oh, wouldn't that be good in the cinema, and, or wouldn't this be good in the cinema, and, you know, there's, there's different schools of thought or different ways that I think, for example, we're saying something, something like, um, I'm thinking of ending things on the big screen, I think would be particularly impressive, um, obviously never got a cinema release, it's a Netflix film, but I think that would be very cool to watch first time in cinema, um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different ones you could pick, and I'd be happy to, to choose, um, so we could think about it all day uh, and there's also an awful lot of films that I feel that are considered that, that kind of thing oh I you know, wish to see them first time I'm happy I did see for the first time stuff like The Lord of the Rings I'm happy I saw the first time on the big screen mm-hmm. um, Interstellar for me yeah Inception for me which maybe I don't rate as highly as some other people do um, and then also especially films that come out more recently that stuff like um, Tenet or Parasite or 1917 that like I'm very happy I caught when they were out because like especially Parasite is like that probably would have been a lot worse if I'd never got the opportunity to see it on the on the big screen. I honestly would not watch Tenet if it was in the cinema. Yeah, that film is not going to do well on a home stereo, especially. <laughs> yeah, whatever you think of when it comes to Christian Nolan's sound mixing, uh, Brandon, it's ten times more on Tenet. It's like I got told as well that. Um... By someone, my friend who worked at cinema, he said that apparently Nolan and Tarantino always ask cinemas to play them like louder than like, like like they tell them to play the films louder than yeah. they would do any other film. <laughs> yeah, well, I can, you can fucking tell. Um, yeah, but your ears are blasted with a generally uh, enjoyable experience. For my money, 
And, um, you know, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. And um, I thank you for, Brendan, for coming on. I thank Artie and Bo for all their questions. Um, I thank myself for my array of magnificent questions. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have to deal with JL being here. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> let's go to to the outro I don't know what we're going to be doing uh, in the coming weeks I'm not sure um, where I'm going to be whether I'm going to record because of lockdown there's possibilities we might have interviews coming up collabs a lot of different things coming um, we'll have to see but there's certainly not that many films coming out right now but I think towards the end of the year there's a, a fair few uh, films coming straight to on demand and stuff but um, we'll have to see what it comes out, uh, what happens, and we haven't really got much to tell you when it comes to the upload schedule. But uh, I thought we'd go for a bit of a different episode this this week, uh, a little more Q and A style. We'll be looking to do a few of these in the future if we can come up with the right questions and the right people. Um, but let's yeah. So I'm going to to drop it. If you want to follow Brandon on Twitter, you can do so at oh, it is beast. B seven and an, and then two three ends at the end. It's Brandon with a seven for the R and three N's on the end. Yeah. 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 B seven and yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam H Media. You can follow JL on Twitter at by Jordan Luke. You can follow the podcast at at now showing film. That's the most important one. If you have to follow one of those, don't bother following Brandon. Follow that. If you want to find me on Letterbox, you can do so at Sam Houston. You can do it for JL at uh, JL McDonald. Uh, have you got a Letterbox? At uh, me? Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, Brandon Bitter. Okay, I'll add that afterwards. <laughs> and um, it, of course, as always, we, as I said earlier, we'd very much appreciate if you gave us a five star review on iTunes. It helps us go up in the rankings. If you want to contact the pod directly, you can do so at nowshowingpod at gmail.com. Of course, we are a member of the driving. Uh, Network, uh, we very much appreciate uh, going to their website and listen to their large array of other podcasts. I have been listening this week to the, the titular one of the pod network, the Music City Driving podcast, each week, especially if you like now showing. It's the right kind of thing. It's um, going through, they're going through each Oscars and kind of giving their thoughts on who should have won in each section and, and kind of giving that view, like in 2013, looking back at how films are seen now and whether they kind of stood up to how they were at the time, which is extremely interesting and I'm very much enjoying that. And yeah, I think that's everything we have to plug. And um, thank you for listening and I will see you all next time. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Right, what do I do with Audacity? Do I just click stop?